Good morning. My name is Linda Whitaker, and I want to share with you today how in my life I've experienced the resurrecting work of Jesus in the midst of tragic circumstances. After Jan passed away in September of 2017, everything changed. Life had become much harder. Now I'm faced with managing finances and dealing with everyday ongoing details of life, which Jan took care of most of the time. I did a little. But as hard as that was, the things for me that I miss the most is just Jan. I have a constant ache and longing. He is my calm and my constant in dealing with life in general, my sounding board, my level-headed advisor, the other half of me that made me whole. But with God and His goodness and mercy, life does go on. At this point, I had to make a choice. Was I going to blame God and turn away from Him? But that would be just turning to hopelessness. I could run to God and rest in His peace and comfort that only He can give. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 says, I was afflicted in every way, but I was not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. I chose life. With all of the emotions and the turmoil that was going on in my life, I knew God still had a plan for me. Jeremiah says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. My world had stopped. God was working though. I was asking God to give me direction in my life and to fill that hole that was left when Jan died. Through scripture, song, family, and church, God began to orchestrate a beautiful picture of love and grace and healing. As the healing continues, God has begun to let me see how this tragedy was for our good. It took Jan's death and the impact that God knew that it was going to have on us to bring about answers to prayers that Jan and I had prayed for for years. It has caused us, me, to re-examine my life. Am I going down the path that Jan took, always studying and learning about the Lord, helping others, telling others about the good news, 
he had a sure and confident hope in where he was going when he passed away. He is in heaven now. My sons, Chris and Stacy, have turned back to God. They're wanting to follow in their dad's footsteps, serving here at the church and helping others they see that are in need. Randa has been the glue that pulls us together as a family with her hospitality and her loving care of us. Jan was still alive when he and I decided to take a cultural exchange student, Shawa. The love that Jan and I shared now poured into her life. Now, where she had been dead in her sins, God brought new life to her when Shawa accepted the Lord. She, Yan Yan, and others God has brought into my path have been such a blessing. I have needed them as much as they have needed me. We will always be friends, and I hope to always point them to the Lord. Throughout this ongoing experience, the Lord is teaching me that He is sufficient for me, that He loves me, and that He is very patient and kind to me. Psalms 46.1 reads, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And as we are about to hear this morning from Todd as he brings the message that God laid on his heart, Christ was willing to endure being beaten. He was willing to die on the cross. He arose again. He is our hope. He is the resurrection and the life. So good. I don't know how much I can add to that. Thank you, Linda. But I think it is a good reminder that there are certain things that happen in life that unexpectedly stand in our way. And they should cause us to stop and consider the question that we heard from Linda. Am I on the right path? Are my priorities in the right place? Linda courageously shared what that looked like in her life. And I know that that wasn't easy, but boy, you did a beautiful job. And so grateful for your willingness to share that story with our church family. See, Jan's death was something no one saw coming. It was an unexpected interruption in all the lives of those who loved him. And if you know Jan, that's a lot of people. But God used it to grab our attention. I really appreciate Linda's story because I've seen the effect of every single thing that she just described. I've witnessed how God brought redemption even in the midst of their pain. It didn't remove the reality of their loss, but it did renew their purpose in life. It gave them a hope and an assurance and meaning. 
and the goodness of that purpose is being poured out into the lives of all those around them. But that's what God does. He brings beauty from ashes. And that is at the heart of the story of Easter. We are celebrating a living hope. We are celebrating a living hope in the face of a cruel and unexpected death. You see, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross should interrupt all of our lives. It should cause us all, to a person, to stop and ask the question, am I on the right path? Are my priorities in the right place? And I hope that this morning it causes you, if just for a moment, to consider that question for yourself. Are you living a life that is filled with purpose? Or you do, just, do you just kind of drift along? Is that purpose filled with goodness that is then poured out into the lives of other people around you? Have you been raised up with Christ to walk in the newness of life? That's what we are here to consider this morning. So before we do that together, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come to you this morning, I pray that we can courageously, as Linda has demonstrated for us in sharing her testimony, that we too might courageously consider the questions of where we are in life, that we would allow, if nothing else, for just this moment, the consideration of the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior to cause us to stop for just a moment. And to consider, to look at our lives and ask the question, am I on the right path? Are my priorities in the right place? Is my life filled with purpose? And is that purpose being poured out into the lives of those around me? Father, such a great question to consider on such an important day. And so would you give us the boldness, the courage, the honesty to consider that in each of our hearts this morning, myself included. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, there's an interesting occurrence that's well documented in medical journals. It's called the Lazarus Phenomenon. Has anybody heard of the Lazarus Phenomenon? It's an interesting little event. It happens, it's actually defined as a delayed return of spontaneous circulation after cardiopulmonary rhythms have ceased. Now, that's a lot of medical terminology. And basically what it means is that someone is pronounced dead in the absence of a heartbeat and any signs of breathing only to spontaneously return to life just moments later. the spontaneous return of circulation usually takes place within five to ten minutes. It's a, a short delay, but you can imagine what that experience might be like. Now, it really doesn't happen in modern medicine where you can monitor brain activity and those kinds of things, but you can imagine if you were in a place where you didn't have that technology just how surprising that might be. <laughs> When someone is pronounced dead, there's no signs of life, there's no breathing, there's, there's no heart rate, and then all of a sudden, they're back. Talk about a life-interrupting moment. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, that would get my attention. But what I find interesting about this whole thing is how this very rare medical event is actually attached to a very well-known story in the Bible. 
And what's even more interesting is the fact that what happens in the Bible is not anywhere close to what is being described in the medical journals as the Lazarus phenomenon. In fact, I want us to look at that together. So if you would, turn to John chapter 11 and let's see exactly what happened with this man in which this phenomenon is named after. John chapter 11. If you will, begin reading with me. John chapter 11, verse 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha, and it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with the anointment or the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And the sisters therefore sent to him Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, the one whom you love is sick. It's important to understand as we see what's happening here that Jesus had a very close relationship with this family. In fact, Lazarus would have been considered a very close friend to Jesus personally. That's why the sister said, the one whom you love is sick. And we don't know exactly what the sickness is, but we know it's of such concern that they called for Jesus to come because they knew it was serious. We know from this story that Jesus doesn't actually come right away, that he delays, that he waits two days before he leaves to go to Bethany where Lazarus and his family lived. Look at what it says in verse 6. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. When therefore he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now, to be honest with you, the disciples were not real worried about not going to see Lazarus. They weren't real keen on the idea to begin with. I mean, Lazarus is a great guy. But their lives were at stake. Because the last time they were in Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples narrowly escaped a murder plot. And they knew very well that going back into that same area would just give those people another chance. And perhaps this time, they wouldn't fail. But Jesus assured them, this is the right thing to do. Let's look at what happens. Look at verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that He had already been in the tomb four days. Speaking of Lazarus. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary still sat in the house. Martha, therefore, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, this is a a reasonable statement by Martha about her brother. Because as we know, Jesus healed many people during his life and ministry. Many who were sick and diseased. And many of whom were complete strangers to him. So it's a reasonable expectation that this good friend, had he been given the opportunity, would have been healed by Jesus. Which is why she says, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Look at how he continues in verse 22. She goes on and says, Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. 
Martha said to him, I know, I know. He will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. See, Mary finds some level of comfort in knowing that her brother would rise again. As she says, on the last day. A future resurrection at the end of time. This was a a common belief among many of the first century Jews. The Bible tells us that, that God put eternity into the hearts of all mankind. And so for each and every one of us deep inside of us, we know that we were created for something more than this world has to offer. And they had put their hope in God. But Jesus actually had something different in mind. He wasn't looking to some distant resurrection. He was talking about something that was going to happen that very day. Look at what he tells to her in his explanation. Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? Now that's a life-interrupting question. Do you believe? See, you and I are not the same person on the other side of that question. Do you believe? Jesus is asking Martha to believe that he can accomplish what only God can do. He's asking her to believe that her future hope, that that hope of one day in the distant future, at the end of time, is actually a present reality. We know the rest of the story, right? Jesus walks up to the tomb where Lazarus had been buried. It's been four days, not just a few minutes. Four days, which is enough time for the body to begin to decay, which is why Martha protested and said, no, please, Jesus, don't open the tomb. It will be an awful, terrible smell, please. And let me tell you, nobody there wanted to see that. But look at what happened in verse 40. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you hear me always. But because of the people standing around, I am saying it out loud that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died, he who had died, came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus says, if you believe, then you will see. You will see the evidence of God's power. You will see the display of God's glory. Not at some future point. You will see it right now. And Jesus prays out loud so that everyone can hear what he has to say. He wants it to be clear. You will see that what is being done for you is so that you might believe. Believing in the resurrection. Not just as some future hope, but as a present 
reality. A reality made possible because you believe. You believe that Jesus has the power to bring new life. Not eventually. Not somewhere down the road. But right now. When Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, he's saying, I am the source of your hope. And when you believe in me, that hope never, ever leaves you. But this is where it gets challenging for people like Martha. Seeing her brother walk out of the tomb was certainly a life-changing event, right? That's not hard for any of us to understand here this morning. She witnessed, as he said, the power of God's glory put on display in the life of Jesus Christ. And most certainly, she believed. But in less than two weeks, that faith that she had placed in Jesus in that moment would be put to the ultimate test. Because the person in whom she placed her faith would be crucified on a cross. And just think about what that would have been like for her. The source of her hope is now dead. Dead on a cross. And the only thing she could cling to, the only hope that she had, was in the promise that he had made. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. Do you believe? See, Martha was at the foot of the cross. When the religious leaders were mocking Jesus, when they were saying to him, look, he he saved all these other people, but he can't save himself. They went on to say, come down from the cross and, and, and we will believe you. That's not true. That is not a true statement. And here's why. They didn't believe in Jesus because they didn't need Jesus. Their hope was based on what they could do for God, not in what God must do for them. See, the resurrection from their perspective was the result of a a life well lived. It, It was a reward for good behavior. But listen to me clearly, that's not what Jesus promised. He told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me in me, will live even if he dies. You see, that hope only comes alive for us if we understand that Jesus had to die for us. See, the only reason Jesus didn't come down from that cross and save himself is so that he could save you. So that he could save me. He died a death that we deserved so that we could live a life that we cannot earn. The Scripture is clear. Talking about our Savior, it says that He was pierced for our transgressions, that He was crushed for our sins, that the punishment that we deserved was placed on Him, and that by His wounds that we are healed. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins. But it doesn't end on the cross. Because the resurrection is the good news that our hope is alive. 
Jesus is a living hope. Not at just some distant point in the future. Please understand that. We are celebrating Easter today because we have a living hope that is alive and well right now. In this moment. The resurrection of Jesus Christ doesn't just guarantee eternal life in the future. It is the promise of an abundant life right now. Which, as many of us know, doesn't mean that life is perfect. Or that life is easy and without difficulty. But here's what it does mean. It does mean that the hope that is in you is able to sustain you no matter what life throws at you. Amen? It means, listen, that the hope that is in you has the power to sustain you no matter what life throws at you. Because we serve a living hope, a living God who serves and lives and died so that we could have new life in him. Do you believe? Do you believe that the same power that raised Christ from the grave, that very same power the scripture tells us, has the power to transform our life? Do you believe? That God can bring redemption. No matter what your story is, that God can bring redemption right in the midst of your pain. And so please understand that the question that's being asked of us in this passage is not for the person sitting next to you. It's a question that applies to every single person in this room. Do you believe that He gives power to those who are weak? He gives strength to those who are weary. Do you believe that God can restore what sin has broken and that one day, one day he will make all things new? Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus died for our sins? That he rose from the grave? That he has the power to overcome sin's control? Do you believe that we serve a living hope? Not at some point in the future, somewhere down the road, but right now. In this moment. You see, that's why the Easter story should interrupt our life. It's why it should cause us to stop and pause, if, not, if nothing else, just for this moment. Just for this moment and should ask, we should ask ourselves that question. Am I on the right path? Am I living out the right priorities in, in the right place? Is my life filled with purpose? Or am I just drifting along? Does that purpose have goodness in it? And is that goodness then poured out into the lives of other people? Have you been raised with Christ to walk in the newness of life? Not at some point in the future, but right now in this moment. Do you believe? I pray that no matter why you showed up this morning, you would at least stop for a moment and consider those questions. Because here's the reality. You can face a lot of questions in your life. But none of them have the power to transform your life like this question does. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is our living hope? Not just at some point in the future, but right now. So as we finish up this morning, we're going to sing about the living hope. And I want you to 
look at these words, not just as words on the screen, but as an actual statement of belief in your heart. And if you are not in that place this morning, would you consider the invitation that he gave to Martha when he asked her the question, do you believe? And then would you consider what he actually accomplished to show her that the power of God was put on display in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And not only did he raise Lazarus from the grave, but he actually says, I have the power to lay down my own life. No one takes it from me. And I have the power to bring that life up again so that you can have new life in me. Not at some point in the future, but right now. Because we serve a living hope. So let's sing about that together. So I know that in our culture, we set aside one day to celebrate this promise. But you need to know this morning, it is an everyday promise for those who believe that Christ is alive and well. It is a living hope. And that hope that is in you has the power to sustain you no matter what life throws at you. And so let me encourage you to live out that hope, not just today, but in every day. Let me also encourage you that no matter where life has brought you, no matter what your story might be, no matter how much darkness that you may feel, that there is a hope of light in Christ who brings freedom where there is imprisonment and hope where there is despair because that hope is alive. Amen? May you celebrate it today and every day that follows. Have a great day.